0: The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We will talk about why the Brewers don't deserve any positional all stars. We will also talk about their lineup as Colton Wong gets back. He will not be leading off. We'll go through what I think the lineup will look like most nights. We'll also talk about why the Clippers are tampering and no one will give a shit. And then lastly, we will talk about the most do ranking the most anticipated weeks little new segment. I don't know what I'm going to call it, but we'll be part of Chuck's Corner at the very end. And if we like it, maybe we'll just start ranking shit at the end of certain shows or every show. I don't know. I mean, it's summer, right? You got to try new things. You got to do something a little bit different. You got to have your summer flings. It is the dog days of summer, as, you, as they like to say. I had friends tell me they were watching Celebrity Family Feud tonight. Like that's bad. Like just find a show, man. There's so much good TV if you're home alone to watch something. So maybe I can work on rankings of shows you should be watching. Um, maybe that's tomorrow's tomorrow's segment. But anyways, uh, we will talk about the Brewers in a second here. But before we do, just a reminder: we're on social. Tabbing the keg, tabbing the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. A lot coming on Instagram and TikTok this week. Hope you guys will be tuning in there. Uh, Also on Facebook, if you're still there or if you're like my parents are listening to the show. also make sure that you're rating and reviewing if you've already subscribed if you have subscribed and you haven't shared it to a friend what the hell are you doing it's a great weekend to talk about the podcast right um i have to do better at talking about the podcast i was talking to one of my buddies uh brother who i i don't know if he listens to the show uh but he was asking me about it and i i just get uncomfortable weirdly so maybe that's chuck's corner topic i gotta get better at it maybe i need to work on it more certain people like i can do all day like murph and whatever but when it's random people it's just it seems like a weird hobby that like i'm like wow am i get a judge for this but yeah I, I should probably do a better job of that but that's here nor there but anyways yeah make sure you're rating and reviewing we're on every everywhere you can get your podcast um if you don't think we're on somewhere let me know we can always hook up an rss feed for that all right let's waste no more time let's talk about why the brewers don't deserve any all-stars in the positional spots the Milwaukee Brewers and All Star voting are out right now. Uh, the first round of fan ballots came out today. And the Brewers do not have anyone close to the top. And for good reason. There is no reason at all that the Brewers should have an All Star when it comes to the positions on the baseball field. Now, do the Brewers have pitchers that are All Stars? Absolutely. And we can talk about that at the tail end here. But when it comes to the, guy, the starting nine, the Brewers have none that should be considered. And it is ludicrous to even think so. I know that the Milwaukee Brewers social media and marketing will try to get out the vote campaigns. I understand that. But at the same time, none of them deserve our votes. Like we should just pass the buck altogether. Some could argue that there are political races like this where you're like, I don't want to vote. Usually you do because it's your civic duty. You have no duty to anybody on the Brewers to vote for any all-stars. And even though they'll do things like giving away Chick-fil-A sandwiches and all sorts of other shit, there's no reason to vote for any of these guys. And you're like, Charlie, that sounds mean. That sounds like you're more critical than you usually are. It's not that I'm critical, it's just let's face the facts here. Let's just look through this and see why the Brewers don't deserve any All-Stars when it comes to the starting nine or in the positional spots in baseball. You have your catcher, you have your DH, you have your outfield, all those positions, none of them do the Brewers even come close. There's only one where I could make a slight case, but even then that case is like does not hold water for how the guys played this year. So we'll start with the guys who are maybe the most obvious all-star candidates, and then we'll go from there, and we'll kind of work our way down the list. I didn't talk too much about D. I won't talk about D.H., by the way, and Andrew McCutcheon, but uh, McCutcheon had that slump during the middle of the year. I think it's pretty obvious that McCutcheon does not deserve to be an all-star this year. All right, let's start at the shortstop position. Willie Adams. he's getting a lot of love. I know the Brewers, whenever he gets a home run, they're like, hey, vote for Willie for the All-Stars, he does lead the NL in home runs at the shortstop position, but that's where it's at. it ends. Now, if he played second base, I think you'd actually have a real case for Willie Adamas to potentially be an All-Star, but he also is hitting 216. That's not really gonna get it done. Trey Turner and Dansby Swanson are having much better years and on much more public teams. There is no reason why Willie Adamas should be an All-Star over Trey Turner and Dansby Swanson. They're gonna have a really hard time getting Adamas into all-star games at the shortstop position. They just are. Like those two guys, A, are very good. They're gonna be good for a long time. And then C, Francisco Lindor, who probably deserves to be considered over Adamas, also plays on a major market and also is one of the quote-unquote faces of baseball. Adamas is not there yet. I think if the Brewers were to go on like a World Series run next this year, and Adamus plays a major role, I could see Adamas elevating himself to that and getting more of the fan vote despite how he's played. There's only a few guys where I really think that they're getting votes despite how they're playing. And it's, it's not a long list, but that's how you get it when the casual observers understand who you are. But with a guy hitting under 250, not even hitting close to 250, there is no real case I can make for Willie Adamas. Christian Yelich, who seemed like a perennial all-star back in 2018, 2019, he's not that anymore. We've went through it, you, I get it, right? Now you're like, okay, here goes Charlie making the case for it. The only thing that's interesting is that he's near the top of all outfielders in National League when it comes to runs and hits. But kind of like Adamas with home runs, that's where it ends. It's really hard to make a case for him when you look at the top vote-getters being Mookie Betts, Jock Peterson, Ronald Acuna. All three, or well, two of them are very deserving in, Peter, in Betts and Peterson who are having great years. Acuna is one of the faces of baseball and probably did once the, you should have him as an all-star, but he isn't having the years that others are having. Like look at the year Kyle Schwarber's having. It's really fucking good. I think Schwarber deserves a ton of consideration for, for being an all-star. I think Juan Soto's had a weird year. I don't think you can consider Juan Soto, weirdly enough, even though, again, he is a quote-unquote face of baseball, Um, but I don't even think Kim Marte, I think would be an interesting one, but he's had a little bit of injury issues. Yelich is way down the list. Yelich is 18th, that's for good reason. If Yelich had more power, if Yelich was doing more things in terms of extra base hits, maybe there could be a case for Christian Yelich, but right now, I don't see it, and nor do I think Christian Yelich will end up getting in the all-star game, even with like injuries or anything like that. Roddy Telez, while Roddy's had a pretty solid year for the Brewers, I can't make any arguments for Roddy having a better season than Ball Goldschmidt and Pete Alonzo. Those two are the front runners of the MVP with Manny Machado. It's really hard to make a case. For anybody other than Goldschmidt and Alonzo when it comes to the first base position, there is, it's done, right? Like, you know how when people go, Alonzo and Goldschmidt, that's the tweet? Like, seriously, like, there we don't need to go any further into it. Those guys are playing unreal baseball, and no way does Rowdy Telez even sniff their jock. Even though I like Rowdy a lot, I'm just saying, like, there's no way. Okay, so if Colton Wong actually had, like, a really good year this year, I think you could make a case for Colton Wong to be the all-star starter at second base because second base is actually a pit. Like, it's really not good. You have Ozzie Albies now out with a fractured foot. Um, Albies is going to get a lot of votes from Braves fans, even though he's hurt. I mean, Fernando Tatis has not played a single fucking game this year, and he's fifth in fan voting. And that just shows kind of maybe how big of a name Tatis is, and maybe he is the face of baseball. Maybe he's the one who has the belt right now when it comes to best – most notable player in the game. You know, kind of the the guy right now for the next generation, in my opinion. But it, back to Wong, like, yeah, there's nobody there really at the second base position. Jazz Chisholm, really popular player, an emerging player, a guy who I think you want at the all-star game. Like I think having Jazz there makes things a lot more fun, but he's really not having a great year. Like besides the home runs where he's 14 of them, he's not having that special of a year. He's not a guy who I think has fully rounded out as a baseball player. He can hit the the shit out of the ball, but he's just not there at the other parts of it in terms of doubles, hits, runs, all that other stuff. Now, granted, he also plays in the Marlins where it's a little harder and teams focus and hone in a lot more on Jazz than maybe some of these other teams that we mentioned. Luis Urias splits time with Jace Peterson. He was hurt early in part of the season. And again, similar to the goldschmidt alonso thing at first, no one's really gonna make an argument against Manny Machado and Nolan Arenado. Two guys are having great years in their own right at the third base position. Then lastly, at catcher, Omar Narvaez has been a complete non-factor this season besides a cool nine game hitting streak. Uh, his backup, Victor Caratini, might actually be having a better season than he is. Uh, Wilson Contreras is the obvious choice. Actually, what's interesting is that in that second spot right now is, who is it? it it's not Dalton Varsharo, who's from Al- Appleton, who it should be. It's Travis Darnot from the Braves and Yadier Molina's fourth. Varsharo actually is not even in the top 10, which is fucking pathetic. Like that's embarrassing if you're a, if you're a Diamondbacks fan. Like if I was doing a Diamondbacks podcast, like we should be talking about how D- Dalton Vershaw is not in the top top ten of catchers in terms of All Star ballots. Like he's having a fucking awesome year, and no one cares because it's Diamondbacks. I mean, if we did a ranking show about which teams do people care the least about, I have to put the Diamondbacks in there. Maybe that's another good one, right? I might I could do a full like rankings podcast. I could do like a rankings podcast every day. Um, but we might have to do that because we're playing the Rays, who I think would actually make that list as well. Um, but it's, I think the Rays, it's kind of not their fault. It's like a goodwill hunting situation. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. That's kind of how I think it. I think it's the stadium more than it is the Rays. Again, another story, another time. But yeah, I, I don't see any Brewer positional player deserving an all-star starting spot. Like, there is no, and I, and I really don't see a backup spot either, right? Like, I, you go through these names and it, we basically have guys that are having much better years than the Brewers and maybe that speaks to the struggles this offense has had this season. Um I know they've been playing a lot better. Um the offense has been cooking. If you look at the last 15 games, it's been really good for this offense. But at the same point, that doesn't mean that suddenly the Brewers have any all-stars, you know, that are out in the starting nine. Now, for pitchers, they might have the NL starter in Corbin Burns again. Like Corbin Burns might go back-to-back. I think Joe Musgrove can make a very real case that he deserves that spot. I know he struggled in his last start, but I, I do really think Burns is going to have a case to be made. I know Sandy Alcantara is another guy who I think is going to really push hard for that spot. And Alcantara right now at a 195 ERA. Um, so there, there will be a debate there with who gets the nod between Burns, between El Contrara between, you know, few others. I'm trying to think who else would would make that list if you're looking at it. Nah, I was I was gonna say, yeah, maybe Micholas a little bit. I think, you know, maybe Aaron Nola. Max Fried's been incredible recently. I think Max Freed would have himself a there'd be a conversation there. But yeah, it could be El Contrara um, or Burns in terms of starters, but Burns is definitely making an all-star. Don't keep, don't get it twisted. Josh Hader, obviously, for for the bullpen he is a lock so Burns and Hayter are locks I think Devin Williams deserves to be there in terms of the in in terms of a middle relief role now Will Salmon wrote today how hard it is for guys who are not closers to get into the all-star game but Devin Williams deserves it I mean Devin Williams has been lights out Um, he's been really good only allowed seven runs all year and 28 innings pitched he struck out 14, 46 batters in 26 innings. That's pretty wild. His walks are a little high. I'll I'll get, I'll give you that. Uh, he also has five saves, has bailed out Hader a little bit when Hader's been out with paternity leave, the medical emergency. He also has 18 holds, which leads all of baseball right now. So I think you have to consider Devin Williams to be an all-star. So I, I really look at it and say the Brewers have three all-stars. I don't think you're going to change that opinion for me. Um, I'd be really surprised if they get anything more than that, I guess. I'm trying to think of a situation. If like, I guess because you have like more positions because of DH, like if Ry Tellez or McCutcheon stays hot, I know we didn't mention McCutcheon in the DH, uh, but like if McCutcheon got hot, maybe he's a replacement for Bryce Harper. Um, That's, I could see that. Tellez again, I, I don't think there's any way if he has this just crazy last push Here I don't know. I I just don't see it. And it's okay. It's not a big deal. It honestly isn't. It's not something to, I guess, be worried about if you are a Brewers fan. I don't think it's a sign that this team is not that good. Rather, they just do not have the best offense this year and they haven't been able to stay healthy. And if they were healthy all year, you know, who knows, right? Maybe Adamus you know, figures out his average and he's batting 250 and he has 24 home runs. And then maybe there's a case for Willie Adamas or Christian Elitch actually bat speed somehow comes back to life and he's actually hitting extra base hits but right now the Brewers don't have one and that's okay but it's also not a sign that the Brewers are screwed in the long term moving on to the Brewers lineup uh, that we will be different tonight because Colton Wong should be back from his calf injury Um, it'll be nice to have Colton Wong back the Brewers will almost be at full strength at their starting lineup, just missing Hunter Renfro. Now, there have been debates whether Wong would go back to the leadoff spot. I do not see it happening. I would be absolutely stunned if the Brewers moved Christian Yalich from the lineup, from the top of the lineup. Christian Yalich has been great at the top of the lineup. There is really no reason to pull Christian Yelich out of that lineup spot, and it's been working for the Brewers. They've been producing runs. Like I said, the offense has been playing a lot better in the last two weeks. So I don't imagine you're gonna have Colton Wong at the top. Now I saw a radio station today it was like, would you trade Colton Wong? I'm like, what what the fuck? Like, why why would you trade Colton Wong? Like what what good does that first of all, the guy has been in a ton of postseason baseball. Number one. Number two, he's a pretty damn good second second baseman, a gold glover. Not sure if you knew that. I know he's he's not had the best year defensively, but still, like it's there. Like that that still exists. Like, I don't think I don't think Colton Wong has lost it. Like, I don't think Colton Wong has lost it when it comes to his offense, or defense, excuse me. But I, I just don't see, A, him being a leadoff hitter at this point, but I also don't see the Brewers needing to move on from Colton Wong. Like, I realize Jace Peterson has had a really good year, and I realize you can make a decent case that Peterson deserves maybe more playing time over Luis Urias. I think you just use them interchangeably. I think you make sure guys get proper days off and you just kind of have a rotation between Urias, Peterson, and and uh, Wong. And that's kind of it, right? And Brousseau can can mix in there when when available, right? Against the left-hander. I could see them sending down Custom here. I don't think so. I think they'll send out pa- Pablo Reyes. I think he's, a, he's not a big leaguer. Um, and I wish they would just DFA him and get him off the 40 man and bring somebody else up in terms of that 40 man, but that's again here nor there. How I think the lineup will look tonight for the Brewers I think you're gonna go Christian Yalich uh, at the left field position, Willie Adamas revenge series for him at shortstop, Riley Telez first base, Andrew McCutcheon DH, Luis Urias third base, Narvaez catcher, Tyrone Taylor at right field. Then I think you'll go Wong at second base and then Jonathan Davis out at center field. So I think Wong is actually gonna be hitting eighth, which I don't hate. I honestly don't. I think that isn't a bad thing, right? Wong can definitely be a guy who could set the table at the bottom of the order and have basically a second leadoff hitter, if you will. Um, I know usually the conventionalism is to have him back ninth, but obviously you don't want to have that lefty-lefty situation and give a reliever that luxury. So that's where I think it's split up. I would be surprised if you would bat sixth where Nervais is. I think you'd want Nervais' kind of bat, or Carantini for that matter. I think you'd want their bat at that sixth spot for potential home runs. And run scoring opportunities. So yes, that's why I think we'll see with the lineup. And if for some reason it isn't that way, and Wong goes up back up to the top, well, we have a, we have a topic for tomorrow's podcast. So that's that's a win win for all of us here. As for Brandon Woodruff, who will be back in the line, as the starting pitcher tomorrow uh, or tonight, excuse me. I don't know if there should be a lot of expectations uh, for Brandon Woodruff. Um, I think that. Brandon Woodruff obviously coming off a pretty long uh, injury stint. He had the ankle injury and then he had Reynard syndrome where he had trouble gripping some of his pitches. I do think it helps that he's pitching at Tropicana Field, which is a controlled environment. I think that will... Benefit Woodruff. Um, I'll be curious to watch his first start, you know, out in the elements, which will be against Pittsburgh likely. Uh, but I do think this is good stuff for Brand to have Brandon Woodruff back. It makes the Brewers stronger. It helps the Brewers a lot, given the fact that that Hauser and Lauer have been ass awful, um, really, for the last few weeks weeks, basically the last month has not been really good for either of those pitchers. Jason Alexander has been a nice surprise and he's a great guy to kind of fill the gap while you wait on whatever's going on with Aaron Ashby. And I honestly think once Aaron Ashby's back, I don't know if Jason Alexander should lose his spot. I mean, it's an interesting conversation, right? Alexander has kind of had a a blowout start looming in him. Like if you look at his FIP numbers, they're not pretty. He's like, there is going to be a moment where Alexander gives up seven or eight runs and teams get books on him and we'll start attacking him. And he, he will be, there's a reason why he's been in the minors for almost his entire career, right? But who knows? Sometimes these guys just kind of have magical years and they figure it out. I've started to call Jason Alexander the magician because the guy just seems to get out of jams at all at all costs. Like he does give up a lot of runs, but or hits, excuse me. But he pitches the contact, and I, I don't hate that. And if you can get outs, God bless you. So I'll be curious to see what that rotation looks like, not necessarily when Woodruff gets back, but what does it look like when Ashby gets back? Like how, how does that change? Barring that Ashby's okay. Barring that it's just he does have an inflamed forearm, and it's not like Tommy John. Because if it's Tommy John, then obviously that's a – whole other discussion and then we can talk about that uh when when we cross that bridge but let's let's hope not for that good vibes only i don't look forward to watching two games in tropicana field it's not going to be enjoyable for me uh but it's a series that hopefully the brewers can get a split you'd love for the brewers to win tonight so then tomorrow's a little bit of house money uh when you have the 11 10 start um in tampa but that's good for us for us us that are working man we'll have a Full day of Brewer Baseball on. I actually probably prefer, you know, something a little later because that game will wrap up at, like, 2 o'clock. I'll be like, well, what else do I have? I don't even golf on at that point. So, um, But, yeah, it should be should be a good series. Um, hopefully the Brewers can at least come away with the split. Moving on to the NBA, we're going to do a lot more when it comes to NBA free agency with Mitch later this week. But I had to talk about the John Wall story that came out. John Wall got bought out um, – early part of the evening, uh, I was probably gonna do something about John Wall should be a guy that the Bucs consider. The Bucks should really look to upgrade that point guard position. And the relationship that George Hill and Mike Budenholzer is well noted, but I think you have to get rid of George Hill. I do not think George Hill can come back. I think that the Bucks front office needs to draw a line in the sand with Budenholzer and say, George Hill's a liability to us. There's nothing we see in George Hill. We cannot have George Hill come back. There's there's just no way. I don't know if Mike Boonholzer will get down for it. I think George Hill's his guy. But at the same point, we need to to break away. So I would have built a case for why John Wall was worth the MLE. But the Los Angeles Clippers will be signing John Wall with that same MLE. um, And they've done it already. Uh, He plans to sign with them. So, and Woj basically is like, yeah, he got other calls, but he's planning to sign with the Clippers. So the way Woj tweeted that, it sounds like basically free agency has begun. So that's very interesting, right? So the Bucks who just lost the draft pick, right? Because they had a trade that apparently they shouldn't have done with Bogdan Bogdanovich before the season started, or before, or before the tampering period started, The league got mad. The league decided to to take away a pick from the Milwaukee Bucks. The league also took a pick away from the Miami Heat for the Kyle Lowry tampering this year as well. But the league didn't take a pick away from Chicago. I guarantee you the league will not take a pick away from the Los Angeles Clippers. I guarantee you that Adam Silver won't say that the Clippers are not allowed to sign John Wall because they tampered. The league talks about how they wanted to make tampering a bigger deal, how they wanted tampering to be an emphasis, and yet they have no idea how to fucking rule it. They are willy-nilly about it. They have strikes, things like that. Apparently why the Bucs lost the pick is because it was their second strike. It's all fucking bullshit, okay? It's all bullshit. And the league needs to come out with a clear guideline about what is tampering and what isn't. Because right now, we are not in a period where guys should be announcing where they're signing when it's a team they do not play for. Bobby Porter signing a four-year, $44 million deal or intends to sign when the new season begins is absolutely fine. I don't care if it was the Bucs. I don't care if it was the Celtics. I don't care if it was the Sixers. That shit is okay. But the fact is that we have news reports out that John Wall is already going to sign with the Clippers. That no one is even going to get a chance. Feels like this has been an orchestrated deal for God knows how long. And will the league care? Probably not. Because guess what? The Clippers are a public-ass team. Because of Kawhi Leonard, because of Paul George, Steve Ballmer pumps a ton of money into the NBA, he's gonna build the NBA, a brand new arena that's gonna be their own. And trust me, the NBA is all on board. The NBA is all behind that. So why should the NBA give a shit about what the Clippers are doing? Because the Clippers are a cash cow for them. They're no longer a nuisance when they had Don Sterling, arguably the most problematic owner other than Dan Snyder in the last 25 years. Although I think you could get a good rankings list of that as well, because there are a lot of them. They they exist, right? But it's just not gonna happen. No one's gonna care. No one's gonna call out a statement tomorrow morning saying we condone or we chastise what the Clippers did. The Clippers need to basically explain why this news came out today or Monday, excuse me, and not Thursday, why this news was leaked this early. Was that something that basically looks like tampering? Cause it, it, or well, it looks like tampering, fuck that. It looks like tampering. The question is, is it tampering? It's, it seems like it, like I would love an explanation. Like I would love for someone to ask, Lawrence Frank who runs the front office for the Clippers or Steve Ballmer or Tyron Lue or John Wall himself how is this not fucking tampering I would love for someone to ask that question like how do you not consider this tampering now my good friend Murph who doesn't usually tweet at me which was weird um usually we dm back and forth about stuff but he tweeted at me like come on like he was like no this isn't the case and considered it because he's a bio guy all right, that's fair, right? We've seen this in during the season where bio guys are, they're like, all right, yeah, he's gonna get bought out by the Hornets and he attends the sign with the Lakers or something like that, right? But that's, to me, that's entirely different because it's during the season, right? It, there's no sort of tampering rules during the season. Now, some could say, well, player X that's leaving the, the Hornets and joining the Lakers, Player X knew about that two weeks ago. Well, that's hard to police. That that to me is really hard to police unless you see Player X hanging out with LeBron, you know, in an Instagram post like a week ago, and then you're like, well, maybe. But even then, it's like all these guys are friends, right? Who knows, right? They could just be having beers and bros. Let them live. So you can't just say everything is tampering. We can't just be like everything's a fucking conspiracy. But the fact is, I can't stand when this shit happens in the NBA and no one seems to care. Now, there's, this drew a little bit of outrage from some of the NBA community that wasn't just the Bucs. But if the Bucs have to forfeit a pick, if Miami, who's not necessarily my fan favorite of any Bucs fan, but sometimes you have to work with your enemy, they had to forfeit a pick why can't everybody else the had to for, forfeit a pick for lonzo ball that was a clear tamper that was not not even like trying that was a blatant tamper just like this is the clippers should have to forfeit a pick and if you're like you're sounding like a telltale, you sound like a snitch so fucking be it all right you lose a pick and then come talk to me and you're like well charlie second round picks are, are lottery tickets well guess what Why not? I want a fucking lottery ticket. I want to try and see maybe if a guy can work out, all right? For every lottery ticket, there's Chris Middleton or Michael Rhett. Those guys kind of worked out in the second round. Now, didn't they? And I know they got back into it with getting Hugo Bassan at the last pick. With a pure, honestly, more of a lottery pick than like Middleton or Rhett. But still, I don't think that we should have a double standard in the NBA. That's what bothers me, is that there is a clear... Double standard in the nba and it needs to be fixed and i hope the nba looks into this puts out a statement and throws the book at the clippers for john wall and if you want my opinion on john wall to the clippers not a bad deal it's a good deal for the clippers probably means reggie jackson i don't think is back but maybe he will be i'm not sure um definitely the clippers are trying to contend this year and they're gonna they're gonna have a good good team and good squad that That'll be worth it with the Bill Belichick of basketball. People forget. All right. We're doing something new. We, why don't we call this? Oh, I want to do something around. I got to work on the name. We're going to workshop the name. I was going to, I want to do something around TRL, right? I love TRL as a kid. I think we all did, right? We all, who grew up in the nineties, late nineties, early two thousands. We all love TRL. TRL was great for those who are uh Gen Zers might not know, you probably do know TRL. I feel like TRL is a very cultural thing, um, regardless of your age. But TRL was a countdown show for our generation, kind of like what Casey Kasem, the top 40, was for my parents' generation and your parents' generation. And it was music videos, they would bring new artists there. You know, it was where pop sort of blew up. It was also very interesting to see, basically things like Limp Bizkit, Corn come to the forefront right it wasn't it didn't just it it was started as just pop music and then it became so much more and then hip-hop got involved and the combination of hip-hop and pop and I I really could make a strong case that TRL sort of bridged the gap and brought music together in more ways than one right and you know, they always would have people there. It was a thing to do when you were a young superstar. Um, it was, you know, you had the signs outside and everything like that. Like, it was a great show. And if someone were to say, all right, we're gonna do a Netflix show on, you know, like a dramatization of TRL, fucking it, 100%. Like, you don't have to ask me twice. Like, I am in on that. Oral history of TRL probably exists but like if Jim Miller who wrote the live from New York, he's wrote the HBO, he did the ESPN one, which is all are good. I've, I've only read the ESPN one in full. I've read like probably 25% of live from New York. as I look at it on my bookshelf as I'm taping this podcast. Uh, but no, he, Jim does a great job in terms of getting all the interviews. Like I I would be a hundred percent in on that. Um, uh, even a podcast, like a po- like a retrospect TRL podcast, like This Week in TRL, in, 100%. But anyways, so we are gonna do a rankings show. I know a lot of people do rankings shows on sports podcasts, I get it. Uh, but we'll figure out a way to weave TRL in. I wanna get TRL woven in, um, and we'll we'll figure out a way. But the rankings today are most rankings of the anticipated weeks. Those weeks, that you just crave, that you are looking at and you are like, oh my God, can this week go any slower? I just wanna get to the weekend so I can party and drink my face off or watch the sporting event or hang out with my friends or see my family or whatever, whatever it may be. Those weeks are are there. Now, I say this all the time with rankings, this is my list. I'd love to hear your list, um, but these this is my list for those things, and this is what I came up with. Number one is Thanksgiving. I look forward to Thanksgiving, I think more than anything else. You're like, wow, insert a fat joke here. No, I do love the food, don't get me wrong. My dad grills a turkey, it's one of the best things that I eat all year. He does a great fucking job with it. it. I will put my dad's turkey up with any fucking turkey in the greater state of Wisconsin. It is that good. And the stuffing that goes along with it is phenomenal. The homemade mashed potatoes, you can't beat the meal, all right? My wife's family, they do a pretty good job as well. But I do i do fully believe that my—they it'll come together and I think we'll have one and it'll be great and it'll be fantastic. But that will be a, a holiday that my parents will probably own, uh, even if my wife doesn't know it. Because I am not giving up that grilled turkey for really most things, uh, that that's one where it's a bridge too far. You can give up some things in your relationship. You can't give up grilled turkey. But you don't also just look forward to Thanksgiving for just that. You get together with friends. Um, I've played turkey bowl for a while. I've been done for a couple of years because I worked for a company where I had to be on call and Thanksgivings have been very stressful for me in the last couple of years. They won't be this year. Um, I'm going to probably try like hell to convince my friends that we're too old for Turkey Bowl. Um, We're getting up an age where injuries can happen at any moment. Like I, and if they need me to organize a bar event the Wednesday before, I will fucking do it. I will take that responsibility. I will find the location that makes the most sense. I know some of them listen, so they'll hear me. I'm sure this will get brought up in the group chat. It's okay. Um, But I, I truly, truly mean it. Like, I just think you're too old for that. Like we could do a whole ranking on things you're too old for. And in playing backyard football is one of them. I think it's just time to hang it up and that's okay. We can let the next generation come through that place. But but that's another thing to look forward to. Also the copious amounts of football that are on. The fact that football is li- literally on from Thursday to Sunday night, well really to Monday. But by Sunday night, you're almost done. Like you're almost so drunk because there's all that football. Then you add in this year, you have the World Cup, you have USA England Friday afternoon, one o'clock. I think you'll be out drinking with your friends that day. It's gonna be a low-key, great, great day of sports. So, and also, I didn't even mention before I move on to number two we've all the college basketball. There's college basketball on all day from Monday on. You can turn on your TV at like 10 o'clock in the morning, and you have college basketball on throughout the day. That you can just and just it's a steady stream of of gambling and fun, and you're gonna have World Cup games on this year. Like, I I don't know how you beat Thanksgiving this year, especially, but any other year, I think Thanksgiving is the one week where I'm like, let's work the clock down. Let's play four corners offense and get us to Thanksgiving. Because also it's the start of holiday season. And holiday season and non-e-commerce jobs, they slow down. And, And it's just, there's less being asked of you. People are out of town. People are on vacation. People are... Are looking forward already to next year. It's a great time to me to be an employee in most job situations. Number two is the start of college football. The start of college football is a great weekend, Labor Day weekend. It is just a celebration, right? You have football back in your life. It is sort of the teaser to the NFL, and you get a pretty much a full full slate of football for basically I don't know like 11 days like it's crazy right you start on Thursday night there's a full slate of games Thursday then you have a couple games Friday you still let your beak there then a full slate Saturday yeah the games aren't that great but it, it kind of doesn't matter because you just have football on, right you just have football on, all right and then Sunday you get a game Monday you get a game you have two days off then the NFL starts. Then you get the second week of college football, sometimes better, sometimes worse than week one. Then the first week of NFL, Sunday, Monday, and then you're done. So basically, there is only two days starting on that Thursday where you don't have football. Don't tell me that that's not one of the best weeks to look forward to because you're just so excited that football's back. And I'm I'm not less one of those people where I'm like, eight weeks to football. Like, I, I enjoy my summer. I enjoy having the flexibility i enjoy the fact that i can do stuff on sundays and i have to be sitting in front of my tv watching all my bets lose and everything like that like i i like having the freedom of you know not having football on for an entire day but once you get to that fall you are ready for it and it helps even if the weather's a little colder if it's a little chilly i'm not saying like it's dreary outside but if it's like sunny and 60 it's not like hot as fuck that even makes it better because then it's like you don't feel obliged to be outside or anything like that. Number three will be March Madness. March Madness is fantastic, right? Like, I think Mar- I look forward to March Madness right up there with anybody else. I could argue March Madness should be should be number two, maybe. Uh, but March Madness is just such a cultural holiday. Um, it's a holiday that I rarely don't take off for. Have to be something kind of. Unique for me to not take off during that week. Um, it's just a known holiday around here. And it's a time where I watch a lot of basketball. and enjoy it. Even if the games suck, it's still just nice to have you have that time off to watch basketball. It's an added bonus if your team's involved, like Marquette was. But unfortunately, they got their asses completely handed to them. But what are you, you going to do? But yes, March Madness, definitely number three. Number four, I'm actually gonna go with bachelor party weekend. Like bachelor parties are like having that bachelor party or that big weekend where you're seeing all your buddies. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a, a bachelor party. It could be your friends in town for Saturday and he's you haven't seen him in a while. Or a couple's in town that lives, you know, five or six hours away, or that are visiting for the weekend or something like that. Like that anticipation of knowing your friends are in town and knowing that you're gonna live it up like you're five, 10 years younger feels great. And that's the same with bachelor parties, right? That thirst builds as the week goes on and you get more excited and you're you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally it's there and you're like, oh my God, like it's just this. And that's I think why sometimes on bachelor parties, specifically in guys trips and for that matter, like I think you can go crazy that first night and just drink your face off and you're extremely hungover and everything else just is kind of secondary had that happen uh in vegas actually for a bachelor party for one of our friends and we we went pretty hard night one we all got in. i think we got in like late thir- not like early evening thursday and we were all drinking like having a good time pretty chill uh, but then we we all wanted to go you know we went to the night, we went to the nightclub for a little bit and that was fun. And you're, you keep going, but at some point, you're like, You gotta go to a strip club, right? And so, we all go to treasures. Um, and they had gone the, the guys who are the host or the bachelor for that matter had been to Vegas before. So, we go to treasures, and someone re- reveals that it was a bachelor party. And we specifically said, Don't reveal it. I've given that guy a lot of shit in the past, I apologized to him because I've ragged on him a little bit for it, a little too hard, probably. And we go in and like there are women waiting for us. It's like it's like a fucking movie. All right. Like it is an absolute movie. I I, it's hard to explain. And some people, not me, spent way too much money that night. And that is a perfect example of blowing your wad a little too early on the on the bachelor experience. You gotta you gotta space it out. You gotta you gotta understand that there's gonna be other things Friday, Saturday. And just, you know, carry yourself throughout the entire weekend. All right, this is going longer than I expected, but it's good. It's good. This is summer content. I love it. Um, on number five, I'm gonna put it the 4th of July weekend. Uh, 4th of July is not as exciting for me as it is for I think some other people. Um, I don't have much going on. I stay at home, I do a lot of family stuff. It's my mom's birthday. Um, so which is great. Like I like celebrating, you know, obviously I'm not saying I don't want to celebrate my mom's birthday, but it's not necessarily like a weekend where we go up to the cabin, right? Or we go to the lake house or something like that. We don't have that. So because I don't have that, I really don't have like the attitude towards 4th of July as I think other people do. Usually my friends are out of town. I usually just don't have people around. Like it's just me, my wife, my dog, my family, which is good, it's a nice thing, but there's a part of me that misses that like lake house or just knowing somebody with a fucking pool. Like, I really don't even need a lake house. I just need a pool. Like, if anyone knows one, I, I do actually think my sister-in-law's boyfriend, his complex has a pool. So maybe maybe that's my end for that weekend, for this weekend, for that matter, um, if if we are at pool weather. All right, number six here, I'm going to go with any golf major. Like, I think the anticipation of the – I was going to say the Masters, but then I thought about it and I'm like – I get really excited for like the US Open to start, which I did a couple weeks ago. I get I really love the British Open week because golf on at like 6 a.m. Like I get up early for it, like it's fun. Like to me, that's like my EPL. Like I know a lot of people love the EPL and things like that. Like that to me is right there. Um, And then number seven would be Christmas. And you're like, wow, Charlie, Christmas way lower than probably it is for some other people. I don't know, man. I think when you get to Christmas, like everything's kind of done, right? Again, it's it's a time to see family, which is great. But for me, like that means two, two big events. It's a huge, it's an all day thing. It's it's definitely drain draining. Now you get some time off, which is nice, but usually you gotta get back to work. It's hard, sometimes you have great companies that let you kind of have that week off. And they're like, fuck it, we'll see you in the new year. But yeah, I, I would say, I would say that anticipation for Christmas isn't really there because you're at the at the time of like that week, you're already mailed in. Like it's already it's already mailed in. Um, So that's that's the rankings. Maybe we'll try to get to 10. Um, I didn't I I could have probably tried kind of cobbled this together. I was like, you know what? Like this is kind of what this week's all about because I thought about work today and. I had stuff going on, but I was like, "Man, goddamn!" Like, I just want to be done. Like, I just want to be done for the week, and it's Monday. It's probably a bad sign, uh, should <laughs> be told. But I think that's what those anticipation weeks are all about. I think you get to work on Monday, and you're like, "There's a motivation factor, right?" You're like, "Just get me to Wednesday. Just get me to Thursday." But at the same time, you like fucking hate it, and <laughs> you're just like, "God damn!" So yeah, I know I missed some. I know some would say NFL. Again, I, I think the college football NFL, that's like an umbrella, in my opinion. Um, I know that some would probably say Memorial Day weekend, I get that, but weather sometimes shit there. Um, i'm trying to think of other ones. Maybe a birthday weekend if you're into that. Um, big trip, I guess, would be another one. But I, I don't know. I always think those weeks, while they're exciting, they're usually stressful. They're usually like, all right, we gotta pack, we gotta make sure a flight. You gotta take care of the dog. Like I don't know if those, are those really ones you like look forward to. I'm not sure. So hit me up. Uh, tabbing the keg on Twitter. Tabbing the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. If I have enough time, I will put together a list of these most anticipated weeks uh, for you guys to discuss. Um, at whether that be on my stories or on Twitter in general. All right. Take care of yourself. This was a long podcast. I apologize for that. Um, We'll be back tomorrow with another Daily Tap. And then Mitch and I will jam about free agency. I also want to bring up a topic he brought up to me on Saturday. Which I mentioned our Saturday chat easily could have been a podcast. I'm very mad. I almost pulled out the phone and was like, fuck it. Let's just record. We'll figure it out. Um, But I'm sure it would have sounded terrible with all the nomad noise. But there was a... A conversation basically about that I carry the water too much for our teams. So I I kind of want to. I was a little upset, but I wasn't too mad about it because I I do think I I probably do it a little too much. But I want to at least have a conversation of where is that fine line? Like where is like being a pessimist versus being a water carrier? And how do you how do you meet in the middle? Right? Like how do you how do you find that common ground? And maybe as I've gotten older. I've went into more of a water carrying mode while I've seen some some of my friends who've gone more to the pessimist. So maybe we'll we'll do a little therapy session with Mitch and figure that out and try to find where that common ground is. All right, take care of yourselves. Have a good Tuesday. A uh, couple more days until uh, that anticipated week is over. All right, take care. Have a good one, guys. Bye.